the purpose of the thief. He comes to prey upon the sheep. He's either wanting to steal them, to kill them, to destroy them. But the false shepherds of Israel, they only saw the sheep as a commodity. They would ask questions, perhaps like this. How can the sheep benefit me? What can I get out of this? Instead of, as a good shepherd, saying, how can I benefit the sheep? Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to learn about this abundant life that Jesus has promised us. And again, John 10. And we find John 10, 10, that great passage that says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And these are just in the church. These are verses, quite often chapters that are known by us. Sometimes we know some of the verses out of the chapter without realizing the context from which it came. And I want us to see that today. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21. I titled this Abundant Life, and we will see... The shepherd in verses 1 through 6, the door in verses 7 through 10, the good shepherd, verses 11 through 16, and the power in verses 17 through 21. Secondly, we find the door, verses 7 through 10. And the Lord said, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and come out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And so here we have the third I am statement. I am the door. The door by which we must enter is Jesus Christ. As he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me, Jesus Christ being this door. So he moves from being a shepherd over the sheep to being the door of the sheep. And while calling the religious rulers of Israel at this time, he's calling them, anyone who has come before me, they're thieves and they're robbers. And the sheep refuse to follow them. You know, I was thinking about this. Why does Jesus Christ, even after 2,000 years, he still gains such a great following? There are a lot of people on this earth today who believe in Jesus Christ. 
And although in the churches today, sadly here in the United States, numbers are declining in many of our churches. It's not true in many of the evangelical churches. Numbers tend to be statistically improving in churches that continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in many of our churches today, in the United States especially, numbers are declining. But in other parts of the world, especially in areas where Christianity has been outlawed, numbers are actually increasing. Why would people follow a man named Jesus who lived around 2,000 years ago when it could mean their very lives? I think one of the reasons people follow Jesus is because they see the hypocrisy that is in our world today. We see it in many of, our, I believe, some of the declining churches of our country in the United States. There's a lot of hypocrisy. You read the Bible and you hear the preacher preaching and thinking, that's not what the Bible says. That's why it's so important for us to know the word of God, to have an understanding of God's word when we're listening to people on the Internet to make sure that they're lining up with Scripture, that they're worth listening to, worth following. They're not thieves and robbers. Whether people being Jews, Samaritans, Gentiles, they, even in Jesus' day, they saw the hypocrisy of their political and religious rulers, and that continues to this day. In Matthew 23, 1 through 3, Jesus, when he spoke to the multitudes and his disciples, it tells us, he said in verse 2, Matthew 23, 2, the scribes and the Pharisees sit at Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and they do not do. Jesus simply saying that the religious rulers, they sit in Moses' seat. They had the authority to rule over the children of Israel. And they spoke from God's word. And Jesus said, follow what they tell you to do from God's word. But don't follow what they are actually doing because they say the right things, but their lives they're not lining up. Their testimony was not lining up. Have you ever heard it, especially kids and parents? It's almost a famous little saying of a parent to their child. Just do what I say, not what I do. Because the children sometimes will question the parent. But you're doing this. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm telling you, just do what I say. I believe the people of Jesus' day, they saw the hypocrisy of the political and religious rulers. Just as in our world today, there's a lot of hypocrisy out there. And so we want to follow the true shepherd. We want to walk through the proper door. And to enter eternal life, we must go through the proper door. And that door is Jesus Christ. As I've already said, John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. But also, in Ephesians 2.18, it's through him that we have access by one spirit. It's through Jesus Christ that we have access. But then, John 10.10, 10, I've probably quoted this verse. It's up there in the top 10 of quoted verses by Pastor John in the last 19 years here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. There's a lot of verses that I like to repeat a bit. John 10.10 10 is one of them. But I'm not the only one. 
This is one of those verses that many of us know. The thief does not come except to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The purpose of the thief, he comes to prey upon the sheep. He's either wanting to steal them, that he can sell them, make some profit off them, to kill them, to destroy them. But the false shepherds of Israel, they only saw the sheep as a commodity, something by which they might gain from. They would ask questions, perhaps like this. How can the sheep benefit me? What can I get out of this? Instead of as a good shepherd saying, how can I benefit the sheep? What can I do to help better this church? Be a good question for me as your under shepherd of the Lord here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. But I never want to ask, how can this church, how can this people benefit me? Again, the Lord spoke about the false shepherds of Israel in Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 4. Last time I read verses 20 through 24. Now we go at the beginning of that chapter, Ezekiel 34, 1 through 4, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 2, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat, and you clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened. Nor have you healed those who are sick or bound up the broken or brought back that which was driven away, nor sought that which was lost. But with force and cruelty, you have ruled them. And some people in our world today, all they see is the populace as something that they can rule over. But Jesus Christ, he came that we might have life abundantly. Not just have life. How can the sheep benefit me? What can I get out of them? What can they provide for me? But how can I benefit the sheep? Jesus came that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, it took Moses, another great shepherd of the Bible, it took him 80 years to discover his full purpose, the plan that God had for his life. I believe that when Moses was 40 years old, he had an inkling of the plan of God over his life. Stephen tells us in Acts chapter 7 that he knew that he was called to be a shepherd over the children of Israel. He just didn't have the proper way to go about it at that time. He ended up killing one Egyptian and running away and hiding in the wilderness for 40 years. But there in the wilderness, as we know, God taught him the ways of a shepherd by causing him to be a shepherd, to lead the flocks of his father-in-law there in the wilderness where when he was 80 years old, he saw the burning bush. When God called Moses at the burning bush, Moses didn't want to follow any longer. I believe Moses was saying, you know, I tried that when I was 40. When I had my strength, 
when I was younger, when there was a little more vitality in my body, I tried that. Lord, send someone else. And he began making excuses of why he shouldn't go. But finally, God had his way and, and God used him for the next 40 years. Now, pretty much, it's almost a guarantee that everyone in this sanctuary today were probably not going to live to be 120 years old. When someone gets to 100, it's a big deal today, right? You'll see it in news reports. It's interesting that one of the great shepherds of the Bible, Moses, it took him 80 years to figure out what God wanted him to do. And initially, he didn't want to follow the Lord's call, but God would use him for the next 40 years to shepherd the children of Israel, to deliver them from the bondage of Egypt, something that they had been in, in, in bondage for over 400 years. The important thing is, is that we follow the call of the Lord. And sometimes it takes us a while to answer that call. I pray that you wouldn't take 40 extra years to answer the call of God upon your life. You may not have 40 extra years. But simply answer the call. Jeremiah 33, 6 and 8 tells us, Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them. I will reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned, by which they have transgressed against me. Following Jesus Christ, we find health and healing. And the only way we have access to that life, that life more abundantly, is through faith in Jesus Christ. But we also find the good shepherd in verses 11 through 16. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he who is a hireling and not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling. He does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. I am the good shepherd. So number four, the fourth I am statement of Jesus, I am the good shepherd. John ten eleven. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Another verse that we just, we kind of know that verse. We may not always remember the address, John 10, 11, but we know the verse, Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You know, there are many dangers that surrounds shepherds, especially there in Israel. There were thieves. Uh, there were wild animals of that day. David would speak about a lion and a bear. But David would tell King Saul at the time when he was a teenager before he faced Goliath, he talked about in 1 Samuel 17, 34 and 35, 
of lions and bears. If you go to Israel, you're not going to have to worry about lions and bears. In Jesus' day, there were still some very wild animals, predators, lions and bears that David spoke about. 1 Samuel 17, 34 and 35, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear took a lamb out of the flock, I went after them. I struck it. I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and I killed it. David, can you imagine that having a lion or a bear? I'm assuming the lion had the beard, maybe a bear. I don't know if they got too much of a beard to grab by, but a lion definitely. Can you imagine having a beast like that coming after you and you grab it by the hair of its chin? Man, and he was a teenager. That's a good shepherd to follow. The thieves, the wild animals, they would like nothing better than lamb chops for dinner at night. They're after you. They're praying against you. And we have people in the world that continue to pray. We need to follow the good shepherd. And Jesus, he deepens that contrast between himself and the religious rulers. He calls them hirelings. He says, they don't own the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. When danger was upon them, they would flee. Hey, if it was your life versus the shepherd's life, the hireling, the sheep always died. But in contrast, Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who owns the sheep, he willingly gave his life for the sheep. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep. That's a title that's given to Jesus there in Hebrews 13, 20. That great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, meaning that Jesus offered his life on the cross for us. May he make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the flock itself, Jesus said, verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. The good shepherd not only owns the sheep by right of redemption, he gave his life for the sheep, but he also, he knows the sheep. He laid down his life for the sheep. He gathers his sheep to him, both the Jews and Gentiles. And that's what he was speaking about there in verse 16, that there's other sheep of a different fold. The Gentiles, Jesus talking to a Jewish audience here at this time, but he's talking about those who are not Jewish, like me, following Jesus as the good shepherd, that they come together as one flock. Peter writing in 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25 says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You know, there are a lot of uh, sheep going astray today. We think about the church and the decline of what's happening in our churches across the United States. I think there are a lot of things at play. Uh, one, that young adults are getting married much later than they used to. 
Lily and I were married when we were 18 years old. There's not a whole lot of uh, 18-year-olds getting married today. I don't know if I've ever, maybe once, did a couple that was really young. And to see them and think, man, you're really young getting married. I, I know I looked like I was 15 when I got married, but you don't see that happening today. A lot of kids are getting married much later in, in their life. But also they're having less children. I think the statistic here in the United States is like 1.6 children per household. So there are a lot less children being birthed today, a lot later. But I think what's playing into the lot later also is playing into our church today. So they don't get married as soon as they used to, let's say back 40 years ago or 50 or 60 years ago. And so there's a wandering away from the church during that time. By the time they do get married, the only reason they might go to the church is to have the preacher marry them, but then we don't see them after that. They've already departed from the church. By the time they start having children, many of the young couples don't see any need of bringing their children to church, raising them in the church to know the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd, he not only gave his life for the sheep, but he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said in John 17, 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The Good Shepherd, Jesus, not only gave his life for us, he loves us, he cares for us, and he gives us eternal life. I know we have younger kids in the sanctuary today, teenagers, young adults. Don't stray away from Jesus. Stay close to him all the days of your life. It's something that I'm so glad that I have done. You know, there was a, a church motto of old, to know Christ and make him known. That is the purpose of believers in Jesus Christ, to know him and to make him known. And God took David from watching over his father's sheep to make him a, a shepherd over the children of Israel. And may I ask, who do you have watching over your lives? Is it the good shepherd or do you have a hireling watching over your life today? As I said earlier, probably not going to live to be 120 years old. I'm just assuming I'm not. But looking back over my life, I'm so grateful for the life that the Lord has given me up to this point. Nor do I feel that my race is finished. I think I'm probably beyond the halfway point, maybe a bit beyond that halfway point. But I still want to finish well. I pray that you desire to finish well as well. The race begins by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. But that's only the beginning of the race. From that day forward, we have to continue to run. To keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you, Lord, for your word and for what it teaches us. We thank you, Lord, that you are the door. And that through faith in you, your death, burial, and resurrection, we can have life. We thank you, Lord, that you are the good shepherd who watches over your flock, your church, 
both Jew and Gentile. And I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us now. Could be, Lord, in this congregation, that there are those who have never given their heart to you as the Lord and Savior of their lives. If that's the case today, Lord, I pray that they would surrender to you this day. Could be, Lord, that there are those who, Lord, they know you as Savior, but they've been running from the call that you have placed upon their heart. Perhaps today, Lord, you are calling them to follow you more completely, that they might gain that life more abundantly. It's our prayer this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's my prayer that we would be a church that would just desire to seek the Lord's face, to seek his will, and to walk following him. We've never been a large church, but 25 plus years as Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, we have seen that Jesus has always been faithful to this fellowship. May it be that we would be faithful to him as well. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.